Well, take your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 10. We, got, we made it through 10 chapters so far, well, 9 chapters, and uh, uh, we said Jesus did all this in one day, and it's taken a pastor, a Baptist preacher, how many months just to get to this point? Well, let's read, and this is a continuation. If you look in your notes, I even put that in your notes, the actions of chapter 9, of John chapter 9, roll into John chapter 10. So it's the same day of the events that are happening. So it's not a different time or different season. It's the same day, same crowd, same audience. And Jesus challenged, if you look at the heading, Jesus challenged his disciples and those would-be disciples to believe and understand his way. And as a church, we know that's kind of our motto. If we do it God's way, what happens? We get God's results. And this is what Jesus is trying to teach everyone who would listen to what he says. You and I will hear these words today. All of us on equal grounds that can hear today will hear these words. We can read them for ourselves even if I speak fast, which I do. Even if I mumble, which I do. And just as a side funny note, Derek and I were switching radio stations this week as we were going through Spartanburg on our way to Tennessee. And as a church, you need to know this. You participated in this without knowing. When you give, we bought 100 student desks in Tennessee uh, near where the... Uh, Matata Children's Choir from Kenya has their container, their dry storage container to be shipped overseas. They're trying to fill it. Derek found some desks, and we bought 100 desks for $6. But we drove up there to get those desks, and we, we put them in the storage. And God bless us. There were flash flood warnings and, and all kind of things going on. But God bless us. We're, we stayed mostly dry, except for the rental truck. And uh, we drove there. And loaded those, and they'll be flying out on the 28th, which is tomorrow, right? Tuesday. So the Kenyans will be returning, and they, they pray for, ask us to pray. That's the well that Mike was talking about. If you're a guest with us, we as a church, we help them uh, with a well. We help them put new tires on their traveling van that they have here in the U.S. Um, we've helped them with service. We've helped them uh, a lot of different ways. And, and as they go back, they're going to be building a well in March. And, and it'll be the Town Creek Well in the middle of Kenya in the Rift Valley. So we have an opportunity to be a part of that. And every time they pump water, there's going to be an opportunity to share the living uh, water with them. So it's, it's such good news. But as we went through Smartburg, we were just scanning dial, and it was talk radio or something, and you couldn't even understand the guy. He was like, hey, when I, when I, and Derek's like, he's looking at me, and I was like, I can tell I'm home. I understand everything he's saying. <laughs> he speaks fast. Every word was joined together, and he mumbled like crazy. And I'm like, this is my kind of radio station if I can listen to it. So... Uh, it was just a fun joke saying, I understand every bit of that. Are, are you that way? Is your family? I told Dan we heard some people from Tennessee that sp sounded like him. He said, no, that's eastern Tennessee. We're, he speaks western Tennessee. So it's, it's all different. So, Hey, let's get in our Bible because these are some good things that God wants us to know today. He put it in his word for, for the people that were in his direct audience, but also he knew we would be sitting here today because God knows everything, Correct. And he knew we would be hearing these words. And, and listen, church, he has something for you to do. You have a responsibility. You either hear this word and accept it and amen it, or you will hear this word and reject it and omit it. You, you'll, you'll make a decision when you leave today, will I follow God or will I not? Will I let, allow him to be my good shepherd? And that's today's sermon title is Good Shepherd, Saved Sheep. I could have put safe, but saved is the word we wanted to say. John chapter 10. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as the thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
To him the doorkeeper opens, and sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will not by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said, verse 7, Jesus said to them, again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, as we understand that today, we, as children, even understand what do sheep, what do shepherds do? They take care of sheep, all kind of things they need. They take them out the pasture. They put them in this culture. They would put them in a safe area. Now, in your, even in your, uh, if you went to Catalyst this morning at nine o'clock, you had an opportunity to have Bible study in a small group. Uh, there's some discussion about what is the, what is the sheep pen and what is the, all the, what is the meaning. This is a really deep dive because you say, is he bringing them out of the church? And the answer is no, he can't be bringing them out of the church because when you become a sheep, you become part of the church, the body of Christ. Is he bringing them out of Israel? Are they moving to a new area? The answer is, well, no, he's not bringing them out of Israel. They're still Israel. Jerusalem's still Jerusalem. What is he bringing them out of? What is symbolic, if you will? What is the storyline here? It's not a parable, but we're looking at a story that Jesus is telling so that we can actually relate a common theme that happens with shepherds and sheep to people. He's trying to relate that we would understand today and see who is the sheep, who is the shepherd, what is the sheep fold, if you will, what is the sheep pen. And, and really for their culture, their day, uh, they would have like these, if you look at the piece of pie that we have here for all these seats, there would be an entranceway here and that was guarded by the shepherd. There was a doorway. And then you would let your sheep in and multiple uh, shepherds would use the same pen, if you will. We, we would call it a pen. If you ever raise animals, you would have a, a sheep pen, if you will, a blockade of uh, a wall around the sheep so that you could watch and keep the wolves away and you could keep the thieves and the robbers away. You could see that they were coming to take, to kill, steal, and destroy. So the sheepfold was simply that, just a place to, to protect the, the, the sheep, to keep them safe. But what did he bring them out of? Because when you come out of that, because sometimes you can believe your safety is tied up in what? The things I do, my money, my resources. How many people in our lives spend their health getting their wealth? And then when they get their wealth, they finally have to spend the wealth on their health because they damaged it their entire life working overtime and getting this and staying away. And, and, and for what reason? For what good? If you talk to anyone who's worked their whole life just to get money and get stuff, the more stuff you have, the more stuff has you, isn't it correct? And you can kill yourself trying to get wealthy. And the Lord says, listen, and even the Proverbs, if you would read the Proverbs, said, Lord, don't make me rich because I might turn away from you. Lord, don't make me poor because I might steal and shame your name. What is he asking? Even in the Proverbs, he said, Lord, let me just be middle income, right? That's what he's asking. If you look at the Proverbs, Lord, just let me have my daily bread. And that's what the Lord Jesus told us to pray for. Right? And that, that's where we look at the, the sheep fold. We look at 
is, is the sheepfold the most important part? No. Is the is thieves and robbers the most important part? No. Even the story, you say, well, how much, what theology do we pull out of that? I believe the sheepfold is Judaism. These people are, are locked up in following the, they, they say Moses and the law, but what's happening? They've, we know from the last few weeks, if you haven't been here with us, Jesus continues to tell all the Pharisees, you guys have your own rules. They're following your rules. You have left Moses, the law, the Torah. You've, you've left it. And what you've done is you've come up with your own teachings. And, and you've said, well, that's Moses. You keep blaming Moses for what you teach. But this teacher teaches this, and this teacher teaches this. And that's why they were impressed that Jesus knew even their teachings, but he also knew the law. Now he comes to this passage, and we look. And go to your notes if you would. I want to show you this. Jesus affirmed his preaching when you get into verse 1, now again, verse 1 ties into the last verse 41 in chapter 9. It goes together, it continues. And as we recall, Jesus just healed a man who was blind from birth. No, this has never happened before. It's a miracle. Every, the whole crowd stirred up. And what have the Pharisees done so far? They've called him a demon. They've used racial slurs against him. They've called him a Samaritan. They've come up and they did anything they can do to actually cause him shame. And what does Jesus do? He's God, so he takes it because he is God, and, and words have no necessarily meaning against him because he understands what's in the heart of mankind. What is in your heart? What is in my heart before Christ? Nothing but pure evil. That's what the Bible says. We have vile hearts until the Lord Jesus Christ changes our hearts and our lives. You'll do everything wrong, everything bad, if given a chance. Amen? Because you were born a sinner, so was I. And, and if we know our status before Christ, B.C., we know what, we, what happens, what should happen when we give our heart and life to Christ. Should we be a different person? If I was to put two cheers up here and say, the Clint Smith that lived his life for himself all the way up to age 21, and the Clint Smith who's actually saved and born again at 21, which one should be the one we should model after? If you knew me, right? I have a brother and sister here in family. This guy liked to have a good time and cause all kind of trouble. This guy still likes to have a good time and cause all kind of trouble, right? But it's just different kind of trouble and good time, different good times. This guy didn't model anything besides the sinful nature. This guy hopefully models some righteousness. Even though I fail, I have to ask God for forgiveness, but this is the person that I am today. And we all know that. We could say, this is me before Christ. And someone says, well, I got saved when I was a child. Then can you just give God a praise God, hallelujah, he saved you from a lot of stuff. But here's how most stories go. People say, well, I got saved when I was eight years old, and then a, a vacation Bible school, and I was baptized, and then later on, and when I got in high school, I strayed away a little bit, and I went to college and got far from God, and then when I was in my 20s, I stayed far from God, and then all of a sudden, I was back with God when I was 40 and needed him really bad. That's not how it works. His sheep know him. He knows them, and they know his voice. We'll see from the Scripture. Make sure that you know, that you know, that you know that you belong to God because you can be faking yourself out like these misunderstanding people standing right in the presence of Jesus Christ. Standing in the presence of God, he's telling them, you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm making it so simple that you can understand, but they had spiritually hard and dark, dull hearts. You'll see that as we go through. Make sure today that you know that you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You say, well, how can I know? Let me ask you this question before I answer your question. Does God want you to know that you belong to him? All right, let me ask it again. Does God want you to know that you belong to him? Absolutely, 
unequivocally, yes. The answer is yes. He wants you to know that you know that you know. Because when you know that you know that you know, listen, that spirit of fear has to leave. And what happens when you run up against somebody who's a false teacher? Are there false teachers today? Oh, yes, the, the, the world is full of them. There, there, there are many. And what happens is when you hear false teachers, we're going to cover that because Jesus covered that. These are the thieves and the robbers who come to kill, steal, and destroy. What do you do when you run up against a false teacher? What do you do? Before we get there, this is a test before the test. If you come up against false teaching, you sit in a congregation like this and there's false teaching. The man or, or the person in the front, uh, Mackenzie, went skiing a couple weeks ago. She said, Dad, we got in. All the praise team was women. And then when we got up for preaching, a woman walked up and said, Good morning, praise the Lord, and went into, made some jokes about Song of Solomon. And you couldn't follow anything she said. Dad, what would you have done? How hard is that? If you go to church, listen, I believe the, the, past, the position of pastor has to be a man. I'm not a chauvinist. I'm a biblicist, right? You read the Bible, what are the qualifications of a man? Has to be, of a pastor, has to be, he must be. He must be, he must be. And I said, I would have walked out of the church. She said, it was a good experience, but it felt weird. And I said, because when you come to the Word of God, listen, you've got, we have to follow the Word of God as best we understand, and then God brings revelation. Is that true? You ever, you ever lived a certain way and you said, well, this is the way it is, and then you turn back around and go find out that you were wrong? Has anyone ever been wrong about a passage of Scripture? You have to continue to read because 90 plus percent of the time, the Scripture, and I'd say 99% of the time, Scripture answers Scripture. So let's look at the notes. Jesus affirmed his preaching is true. This word here where he says, most assuredly, he says, amen, amen. That's what he's, that's what he's saying. This is true. So be it. Also, you'll notice there in verse 1, Jesus distinguished between the real hope that comes from following him for salvation versus false hope offered by the Pharisees. These are the false shepherds. These are the men who are saying, follow me. Do what I tell you to do. Pay your, pay, pay your tithes and offerings. Do all these works of religion, and then you actually end up pleasing God. When is God pleased, church, friends? When is he pleased? He's pleased when you and I obey him. And when we follow his commands, this is, this is, here's a new command that I give you, that you love one another. We can't come to a place that we say, listen, because we disagree today, our cultures disagree, we're going to separate friendships and fellowship. That's happening over and over again in our society. Here in Aiken, South Carolina, we're fighting over what color our skin is. How foolish and distracting is that? If there's a man who stands in the pulpit or stands in a place of leadership or a woman in that case and says, you can't do this or we must do this because of our skin color, God forbid, flee from that false teacher because the Lord Jesus Christ is our Father. If God's your Father, it makes me your brother. Amen? No matter where we're from, no matter what our skin color is, we know, we've said it before, our oldest grandfather is Adam and our oldest grandmother is Eve. That's all of our grandmothers and grandfathers. We're of one race, the human race. Ethnicities and cultures, we have those. Those are different. And even as Dan, Dan informed me, East Tennessee is different than West Tennessee. And North Carolina is different than South Carolina, right? We have better barbecue. Anyway, as, just kidding. That was a cheap shot at somebody in the audience today. Y'all, when we think back, I, I didn't put these up for you, but think back for uh, shepherds in the Old Testament, because this is our example. Who's a great shepherd of the Old Testament? We call him, we, little kids sing a song about him, call him father, and we have all these motions. Abraham, Abraham was a shepherd. Who else? Who else would you think about a shepherd? Moses, somebody said Moses. Who else? 
David, were all those guys good shepherds? Well, they were good that they did what? They fed their flocks. They wanted Abraham's flocks multiplied. We know the blessing of God was there. Uh, Moses also kept sheep for 40 years. He had to be somewhat good at it, right? And David, those few little sheep that he had, right? His brother tried to insult him, but he was a, a shepherd of sheep. He understood they were good little G shepherds. They took care of their sheep. What does the, she- what does the shepherd do? He must feed the sheep. He must protect the sheep. He must even... He must even take the wool from the sheep's back, right? And eventually, we know that all his livelihood comes from the sheep. Well, look in verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Small s, this is not necessarily Jesus himself. He's just telling you what a good shepherd would be like. He comes in the front door of the pen. He doesn't try to climb over the side and be a sheep thief. He tries to actually, he comes very clearly in the front, and the gatekeeper will say, come on in the door. And all the sheep come in. How many of you actually have a dog with no name? Anybody have a dog with no name? So when we talk about Jesus and this good shepherd, when they named their sheep, do you understand they gave them names? To give you an example, I have a sheep here who is white, for the, predominantly white, with spots all over it. What's his name? Spot or spotty or whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, we we're all do this as humans. We name our animals. Does anyone not name your animals? So you don't, I don't want to lose you this morning. In our family, we name our cars. We name everything. Everything has a name. It's just what we're going to go do, just because, I guess, for bad memory. But we name our animals, and, and, and we know their names. And, the, and ironically, uh, the, the animal knows their name after a while. The, whatever language you speak, your animal will respond to it. Is that correct? Because we reward them. I have two dogs. When I want to feed them, I call one of them's name, and they sit there, and I feed that one. I call the other one's name and I feed him, right? So it's which one, if you, if you come over, uh, not you. This one, I just called you. I didn't call you. And I'm trying to train them to know their names and, and be rewarded for doing what's right. Same thing with the shepherd. What does the shepherd do? The girls told us in Psalm 23. We'll look at it in just a moment. He is the shepherd, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. He makes me. You'll see that the shepherd is the one who is out leading the sheep. But I want you to see from verse 2, Jesus cares for the flock of God. That's, you say, well, that's, that's easy. That's elementary. Well, some days we forget that, don't we? And usually it's in the bad days when we forget that he cares about me. And Jesus said, listen, take my yoke upon you because my burden is what? Light. The Bible says he cares for you. You said, did he care when this happened? And usually we, we've had a miscarriage our first time that we were, uh, Wendy was pregnant and did God care for us during that time? Neither one of us were believers. Did God care? He's always cared because he can't help because his nature is what? Love. He cares for us. So Jesus cares for the flock. Look at verse 3. If you go down to 3a, the first part. To him the doorkeeper opens because he's a legitimate shepherd. Not necessarily just Jesus, but a shepherd who would take care of his sheep. And he would walk in. This is what's weird. I didn't know this until I went to Kenya. They'll have all the sheep, the different shepherds will put their sheep in different and group pens. So there's multi, multiple flocks in one pen. And the shepherd just comes out and make, they make clicking noises with their tongue. When they call their, instead of a, a whistle or instead of a name call, they'll make a, a clicking sound. But what do you do to call your animal, your dog? All right, so who clicked it? Bernard clicked twice. Anybody else have to do something different? Come here. Woo! Right? You ever do that when they're out in the yard? Dog comes, sit, let's go. Let's go do what we got to do. 
Same thing here when a shepherd would walk in the door. The, the, he would check out that he's the shepherd, not a thief, and then he would come in and he would go, whatever he would do, and his sheep would fall in. They would have to work their way out, right? They would have to get past all the other sheep, but they would walk out and they would follow that shepherd. And he would come in, and what does the shepherd do? That spotty dotty or whoever that was, right? That they, he'd take all of them by name, he'd check them, see if there's any wounds, and he's going to take them where? From safety, he's going to take them to a place, to a place where they can be what? Fed. They can eat, and they can be cared for. And, and as he sits by the water, or he sits as they lay down, he makes them lie down so that he can actually inspect them, and so they can actually stay and remain healthy. Jesus' sheep, this is, this is pretty, uh, this is theologically deep, but yet it's so shallow, kids get it. Jesus' sheep hear and know his voice. They follow him. We're studying the experience in God, and one of the studies uh, last week says, if you haven't heard from God, something's wrong with your Christian life. Would you agree? If God is speaking, should his people hear? Come on, let's say that again. If God is speaking, should his people hear? And we've taken the study. How does God speak primarily? Number one, how does he speak? Through his word, the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. Have we forgotten that song? Did y'all sing that when you were children? Some of you didn't grow up in church. Let's sing it together. Y'all know it? The B. Cut my microphone off so you can actually not be punished with that, and those at home might enjoy it. But as we teach our children to stand on the Word of God, what happens to us when we get to be adults? We, we sing at the B-I-B-L-E, sometimes it's uh, for me, right? I, I visit the Word of God when I'm in trouble, or I visit the Word of God. We, our song changes when we get older because we're so busy. And I've told you, if, the, if your job or your family takes you away, listen, you've got to come back and put God as a priority. He wants to speak with you as a, as a believer, as one of his sheep. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to respond to his voice because he has a job for you to do. You've been saved not to just enjoy your salvation, even though you should enjoy your salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 says you've been saved. It was his grace. Listen, it was your faith that he gave you, and it's also the job that he has assigned for you to do. Every job title for the church member to do has a name above it. This is Clint's job. This is Steve's job, and he goes down the list, and this is your job, your job, your job. How many people are absent from their occupation with the Lord in the kingdom? We're like, I'm just satisfied. I'm good with it. I'll go to church when I want to. Did y'all know that COVID is still happening today? There's people in cases in Aiken with COVID. Look around. The person beside you might have it. You say, well, it doesn't matter. Everybody's got it. Why did it matter two years ago? We still could space out like we're doing today, right? You could sit, we have chairs in the back, we had white chairs, you still could space out. But people in Nuttown Creek, we didn't close. We met with the governor via Zoom and he said, stay open. He said, stay open, that's your First Amendment right. And we knew that our rights come from where? From God, our creator. The same people who stayed away from church went straight to Walmart, went straight to Lowe's and out to eat. It doesn't make any sense at all. His sheep know his voice. They respond to what he says to do. He said, well, we don't have to come together. I think the scripture argues against that. Forsake not your assembling of yourselves together. Why? For such of some have done that, and they're, they're getting away from the faith. Those are people who are just religious. Hey, I like it. It just feels good. I like that music. I like that, whatever, fill in the blank. But I just don't want to get close to God. That means I have to do something. And what happens is, you can, you, here's what we can do. You say, was well, there a way to measure that? 
how can you measure, if you, let's pretend all of you are the pastor for a second. How could you measure if somebody was a true sheep of God, a true, this, remember, you don't belong to me. I'm an under-shepherd. I'm way, 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 way under the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. But how do you measure if somebody is a Christian? Matthew 7, Jesus said, be careful. Listen, you'll know them by their fruits, right? What does that look like? That's easy to say, but how do you measure that? You have to do what? Inspection. We ride through Ridge Spring, and I take, when we do different field trips, and we go through in the spring, what color is the blooms on a peach tree? Do I know? They're pink. And you, how do you know it's a peach tree? Because it produces peaches. That's exactly right. You won't know until the fruit is inspected and you see, oh, that's a peach and it tastes good and it has a pit in the middle and all those different things. It's a peach tree. The same thing about Christians. When Jesus talks about the sheep, there are people sitting in the audience that heard everything everyone else heard, but they did not belong to him. Let me quickly speed up for you here so you can see this. But knowing and hearing his voice and knowing his voice, when God speaks, listen, you've got to be ready to move. And God speaks every single day. Sometimes God is quiet now when you're praying about something. He's still speaking, but he might not be answering that prayer you're asking yet. But the, listen, the answer's on the way. Because his answer's always, God always answers prayer, does he not? The answer's always going to be a choice. Yes, you're going to get what you asked for. No, you're not getting what you asked for. My grace is sufficient for you. Deal with it, right? I'm going to walk you through it. See, I'll see you through it. Or just wait. I got something. It's coming. It's going to be a yes or it's going to be a no, but you're going to wait for it because you're going to see me that I might receive the glory. Well, Jesus knows his sheep by name and he leads them. That's very important. Psalm 23, the girls quoted it for us, so we won't read that today. He leads you. He knows us and he leads us daily. That's what the good shepherd did. Every time, listen, did you think a shepherd wanted to lose a sheep to the wolves? No. Oh, I just lost one today. That's that's all there is. Mm. No, he was constantly doing everything he could to protect the sheep. Well, we have a good shepherd who doesn't have to do everything he can because he's God. He just speaks and it happens. He protects us because he said, never will I leave you nor forsake you. But that's us doing his work while we're in the most dangerous zone. The Christians in Ukraine today, listen, we're mindful of them. The Christians in Russia and our other friends that are standing up, our brothers and sisters are praying today for protection. But listen, even though they are suffering, who are they turning to? It's a bad day for them in Ukraine today. Would you agree? But it's a bad day in Russia as well for those. There's many who don't want what's happening in the war. But we know that men are evil and their full intent is to do, be like these false teachers, to steal, kill, and destroy, that they might be lifted up. Well, keep looking in your notes, if you would. Jesus gives confident guidance to his sheep because he goes before them. When they hear his voice, they follow him. Isn't that a good thing? Peter called him in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. He calls Jesus the shepherd of our soul. Isn't that a good word? He's the shepherd of our soul. The very being of who we are, the very thing that God created us to be, not just the outer shell, but the shepherd of our soul. So if your soul is saved here on earth, guess what? You're saved for here and have the abundant life, and you're saved for the hereafter. Your soul has been saved by the good shepherd. Does that make you shout? Woo. Woo. Come on, we can shout a little louder now, can't we? It, your soul's been saved by, the, saved by the good shepherd. Does that make you shout? Yeah. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It should make you shout. 
Well, let's keep going. Verse 5, Jesus' sheep identify false shepherds, and they flee from him. Well, Pastor, I just like the way, I mean, he's charismatic, she's charismatic. I just watch him for a little bit. Some of y'all watch crazy stuff before you come to church in the morning. Don't say amen and don't tell me, don't raise your hand. Some of you will watch false teachers before you come to church. You, you've filled your heart and your mind full of false teachers that are telling you if you just sow a seed of fifty nine ninety five, your back will be healed. We're giggling because we watch those same people, right? And you say, well, Pastor, I knew somebody. Listen, let me tell you how God works. When you come, and God never says you must pay to receive. The only thing you pay forward, listen, is saying yes to God. We believe in miraculous healings. We believe that God's doing a work in our time that we couldn't even imagine. You say, well, I don't see the church growing. It's because you're not looking. God's at work all around us. But church, we cannot fill our minds full of false teacher stuff. Well, he's right. He's like 90% right most of the time. What about the other 10%? You will never get that over your head. What you hear, if it's false, it's going to be stuck with you, and you'll reproduce that to your children, or they might hear it. How worse could it be for that, that your children hear it, and they believe that person because you said that person has value, and your children are lost forever? God forbid, listen... This is what Jesus said from the word, verse 5, look at it. Yet they will no, by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going there. If that person, well, he just has once or two false statements. Now, if someone makes a mistake, you go back and they, you can, how many times have we corrected each other? Well, we don't know what that means. There's a, that's a question mark, and some, we try to fill in the blank. Like, who wrote Hebrews? If someone tells you the Apostle Paul wrote Hebrews, that's what I think. But let, that's just from the reading, right? Some other scholars said, no, he didn't. Here's my issue. doesn't matter. Hey, the Hebrews, listen, goes back and it affirms Scripture all throughout Scripture. It was canonized. It was actually put in place there by people who were close to God. And, and I believe God's wise enough to get what he wants his way done if men are willing and women are willing to serve him and him alone. Jesus' sheep identified false shepherds. They flee. They run away from them. They're, even if you will, afraid of them because it's not their, their shepherd who's calling them. The unbelieving audience were dull of heart and did not understand Jesus' teaching. They said, they're going, what's he talking about? We know sheep. We know shepherd, but shepherds, but these guys are good. They, I hear them every Sunday or every Saturday. I'm going to, I'm going to meeting in the synagogue, and it sounds good to me. It was awesome being in the synagogue today. That's the way it is in church so many times today. People are just dull of heart. Jesus declared, I am, another I am statement. He, he's said many I am through this teaching. He's trying to tell them so they hear it. I am the same I am of Exodus. I am that I am that brought you out of Egypt. I am God. And he says here, I am. He said it to the crowd so they understood. With clarity, he stated, he is the door of salvation. Jesus Christ today, church, is the door of salvation. There is but one way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but how? Except through me. You're not getting into heaven. It doesn't matter. Well, I think if your thinking is contrary to Scripture, your thinking's wrong. We call that stinking thinking, right? It's the wrong kind of thinking. You're, you're trying to put yourself equal to God. Jesus said, I am the way, and that's it. He's not arguing with us. He just makes a, de a declarative statement that he is the only way. Well, let's continue. Jesus called out, verse 8, he called out the Pharisees and false leaders as thieves and robbers. Sheep will not hear their voices. You say, well, they have to hear them. 
Oh, they, they, they just turned them off. Mm-mm, you got nothing to say to me. See the hand, right? You ever done that? Did you ever do that when you first got married? Anybody? I did that to Wendy. Here. Well, guess what happened? She hit my hand, so I don't, don't you put your hand under me, right? You ever do that? Who's ever done that? Raise your hand. Does nobody else? Oh, raise them high. Come on, y'all. Are, yeah, thank you. Elbow your spouse if they're, if they're not telling the truth. That's what they would do. Basically, I, uh, see the end. I'm, I'm not having this conversation. I'm getting away from you. You don't. I am not your sheep, and you are not my shepherd. I'm not going to hear it. I'm going to get away from it. We should practice that today very much. According to Jesus in verse 10, the thief has one combined agenda. Here's, here's his agenda. What is it, church? To steal, kill, and destroy. They want to eat the sheep. They want to fleece the sheep. They want to take the sheep for everything they can, even to the point of their life. If you would like to make a note, and you should go read this on your own. I thought we'd have time today. We don't. Go to Ezekiel chapter 34. The entire chapter of Ezekiel 34 explains the contrast that Jesus is trying to say between the false shepherds, those who claim that they are of God, even though they're not, and God himself. He's doing a comparison, but Ezekiel 34, the entire chapter will show you a differential that God is trying to show us today in the, in the Word. Jesus had for his mission, he had and has. I put both there because it's still going on for his mission. Give his sheep abundant life. You say, well, I, I don't experience abundant life. We're barely making it, Pastor. He's not talking about just being rich. You listen, you can, we had not much of anything growing up. We were, had the abundant life. Even as a young married couple, listen, struggling, listen, we went to the parks a lot, Right? We went to the free. If it was free, we did it a lot. Uh, those are the things that he's talking about. We had our family. We had one another. We had food. We had a house. We had a vehicles to get by. We had the abundant life. And you say, well, I, my abundant life has more zeros. Well, just ours did too. Just the decimal is in the wrong place, right? He's not talking about being rich, even though he might make you rich. Don't be ashamed that God's given you income. Rejoice, but use it all for his glory. And every time you give it away, guess what he does? Uh-huh, I can trust him, I can trust her. Let me give him some more. Let me give him some more. But pray before you give. Pray before you do because God will make it clear what you should be a part of. God will give you your mission for him because it is his mission. I said in the conference just a couple weeks ago, all these pastors talked about the mission of their church, and I'm like, I don't get it. Why is your mission of your church different than the mission of our church? We have for this as our mission, and this is our mission. The mission is the great commission. That's that, listen, live out the great command, right? Love God first. Love others as you love yourself. That is the great command. The great commission is go, make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And listen, Jesus said, teach them everything I've taught you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's the great commission. I believe if we fulfill the great command and we fulfill the great commission, we'll have a great church. Amen? I don't have to have some catchphrase, even though we do talk about we seek, serve, and share Jesus Christ. That's what we do. That's our focus of fulfilling what he's called you and I to do. We as the church have the same mission of every other church is to fulfill those two great things. And finally, in verse 11, you'll see this. Jesus is the good shepherd. He gave his life for all who would believe. That's his sheep. You belong to the shepherd if you're giving your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You say, how do you know? Watch this. I don't want everyone to stand, but let me, let me just do, if you're over the age of, and everybody doesn't have to stand. I just want a few. If you're over the age of 40 and you know that you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, would you stand up? I'm not asking everybody. I'm just saying if you, just some people. 
All right? And you say, what about those under? I don't want to just pick out everybody. I don't want everybody sitting. All right? Look around. Do you all know that you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? You may be seated. When you know that you know that you know, your knowledge replaces fear. God has made a call for us to go. When you know, you go. That's exactly right. You have to. You're compelled by the shepherd because he's leading you out there and he's protecting you while you're there. He's to the front and to the rear of you. He's with you forever to the end of the age. We serve a good and godly shepherd. Amen. We serve the God who is our shepherd. Well, the question we have today, do you belong to Jesus today? Do you? You have to know that you know. If you have any fear or doubt, listen, let today be the day of salvation. You say, well, I don't know any of that stuff you're talking about. Neither did these people. They were dull of heart, hard of hearing. They liked their sin. They liked the way they were doing things. But Jesus made an offer, as he did so many times. And the question of this is, are you one of his sheep? See your shepherd. And are you experiencing the joy of hearing the shepherd's voice? Church, that's the biggest thing I think we face as a church today, as Christians, as believers. We don't slow down long enough to listen. Lord, would you speak to me? And he's up in heaven going, nope, not today. I don't have time. That's the kind of God we act like we serve. Lord, I need this for my family. I need this for my work. I need this for my school. And thank you. Have a good day. God bless you. Lord, I I feel so far away from God. People are called today, there's this new word. It makes me laugh, and I shouldn't laugh, and if you're one of those people, I'm sorry, uh, but you just need to get over yourself before I tell you. They're de-churched people. I was hurt at church. You weren't hurt by the church, you were hurt by people. People hurt people, right? And now we make excuses saying hurt people hurt people. Well, we're all broken, we're all, we're all snapped up somewhere, right? We, our past, our present, our hang-ups, how we were raised, we all got issues, would you agree? And if you get hurt at church, guess what you should do? Get over it. Thank you, Miss Janet. <laughs> Wisdom from the front. Get over it. That's exactly what we do. We build that bridge, and let the Lord build that bridge, and we get over it. We move on because God has a plan for us to do. Satan, if those false teachers can come into our lives and say, yeah, come over here. Y'all just come over here and rest because we're all going to play patty cake until we get you all better. Every sheep had to be repaired from scars and tears and attacks. But can I encourage you, listen, the shepherd cares for that wounded sheep. And he wants you're part of the church. You can't just go stay at home and say, nobody loves me, the whole world's against me. Hey, I want to tell you, I love you. I will hurt your feelings. Right? I'm very blunt and straightforward. Wendy says I say the right thing the wrong way sometimes. I preach too long. I preach too fast. I mumble when I preach. I've got all these lists of liabilities. That's me. But here's the deal. I love you and I love the Lord Jesus Christ first. I want to love God and love others. And I I need to love myself. Our self-image today, people are comparing themselves to everybody out there. Don't compare yourself. You're fatter than they are. You're skinnier than they are. You're taller than they are. You're shorter than they are. You're darker than they are. You're lighter than they are. Listen, it makes no sense. We can never be satisfied because we compare and contrast. If you come to the place and say, listen, I am who I am because that's who God made me. He saved me and he has a plan for my life. I will bow, bow, bow all the way home, right? Listen, y'all, I love the Lord. I love you. Will we ever disagree? How many of you have ever disagreed with me at this church? Raise your hand. Okay. God bless you, right? Still love you. How many have I disagreed with? Have I disagreed with more than 50 people at this church? 60, 
70, 80. Hey, we've grown about five other churches in the association because we disagreed, right? Dana's funeral yesterday, many of them were back. But we love them. We're, we're not angry. We just agreed to disagree without being disagreeable. That's what the body of Christ does. We just build a bridge and like Ms. Janet said, get over it. All right? That might be the motto for 2022, Ms. Janet. Get over it. Hey, let me pray for you today. We have a job to do. God is in the business of saving people's souls. We have family behind us, family in front of us, family to the left and right of us that need Jesus Christ as their Savior. And let me challenge you today. Listen, if there's anything in your heart and your mind, if you're not sure, make sure that you know. We give an invitation every Sunday for you to come. We invite you to come give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. If something's holding you up, you say, I got this bitterness because somebody did this to me. Listen, you've got to let that go. You've, you've got to be set free from that. And it might be something that starts like this. Pastor, they hurt me so bad, it starts like this. It takes a little bit of time. It starts, Lord, I can't do it. And by the way, you can't do it by yourself. You have to say the words first. Lord, I don't mean it. With all, I don't mean it. I don't mean it. I don't mean it. But I forgive. Try to say the word first. Ask the Lord to bring it to your heart. And every time you pray, he'll say, oh, let's, get the, let's work on that right there. He knows we're frail. Look at me. He knows we're broken. He knows all about you more than you know you. He knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows your likes and dislikes. He loves you. Amen? If you don't remember anything today, if you're his sheep, he loves you. If you're not his sheep, he loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have what, church? Everlasting life. And that's not just there. It's here now and there forevermore, hereafter. We serve an awesome God. We really do. But listen, I want you to run to him today. If you've never given your heart life to Jesus Christ, let today be the day of salvation. Everybody has a first day. Raise your hand if you have a birthday. Raise your hand. It's also the same way. You will also have a birth, new birthday if you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. There's two birthdays that you have to go to heaven. What a, glorious, what a glorious thought that is. He loves you that much. No matter your age, no matter your status, no matter whatever, he loves you because you are his. And he wants you to belong to him forever. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the blessing of life. I thank you for the word of God, Lord, even complicated as it can be sometimes uh, because we try to overthink it. You were telling these people, you were telling us very clearly, simply that a man who does the job of a shepherd cares for his sheep. The God who cares for those souls for eternity is the good shepherd. We thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you've made a way when it seems like there's no way. We fully depend on you, Lord, today. And if there's someone in our room or someone watching on social media that's never given their heart life to Jesus Christ, 